0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're going to shift the title but continue on our study. It's called Living by Faith. Living by faith, possessing our land was what we've been talking about, but this is going to take us further into it. Possessing our land, living by faith. Everything that God has done for us, all that Jesus has provided for us is activated or received by faith. And it's important we understand that. But quickly, let's review. What happened to the Israelites was written, we've been told, for our example. So it's only us to view as an example to us. For the things that they did that were wrong, we avoid. For the things that they did that were right, we follow. Amen. And secondly, we said that they witnessed many signs, many wonders, many demonstrations of the mighty power of God. They saw, I mean, they were earth shaking. They shook Egypt to its very foundation. They were brought out of Egypt in the wilderness, headed to the promised land the red sea parting and many other signs and wonders they saw but even though they saw those miracle signs and wonders under the leadership of moses they were denied entrance into the promised land and that was the place of promise where god would bless their bread bless their water take sickness from the midst of them fulfill the number of their days and so on he'd be an enemy to their enemies an adversary to their adversaries in other words it would be a wonderful beautiful place for them to live in the provision was beyond anything we could imagine But they failed to enter in, and the reason why, unbelief. Moses could not teach them faith. Moses could not eradicate from their thinking that slavery mentality. So therefore, they died in the wilderness. And God spoke in Numbers 14, 28, and said, Because that which you've spoken in my ears, that is what I'm going to do to you. What a thought. What you have spoken, I will do to you. Think about that for a moment. Remember Jesus talked about words and he said, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Remember that? Well, they were judged by their words. And then God raised up a man named Joshua and under his leadership, he taught them faith. And by faith, they entered into the promised land. So we could see Moses is a type of the, a grace and I mean, a type of the law where Joshua is a type of grace and faith. But Joshua, of course, had to teach them faith. And once they learned faith, the second generation were able to bring down the walls of Jericho, enter into the promised land, and experience a wonderful place. Well, you and I have been warned that if we don't mix faith with the gospel, then we too will be kept out of the promised land. And that is talking about the place of blessing, where we experience the fullness of our blessings in Christ. We can come to Jesus, and thank God we have Jesus, but there's so much that he has provided for us that if we don't exercise our faith, we're not going to experience it. And so it's important we understand that. The process, we said, is threefold. You can see this in Deuteronomy. Number one, we come to the land. Number two, we possess the land. Number three, we dwell in the land. So we've got to come to it. We come to Jesus. We've got to possess what belongs to us. You think the enemy's just going to hand it over to us? No, he's not. We've got to possess it, take it by force. And then finally, once we start operating in it, the thing is to stay there, live there, live in that place, dwell in that place. Now, as we continue our study, look at Joshua chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, first three verses, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes, seven tribes of the twelve Which had not yet received their inheritance. Notice they haven't received their inheritance yet. Seven of the twelve tribes. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel. How long are you slack? To go to possess the land. Notice to go to possess the land. Which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you. So was the land given? Did God give it to them? Was it their land? Did they possess it? Even though they were there, they didn't possess the land or the inheritance that belonged to them. And why didn't they? Well, Joshua said because they were lazy and because they were negligent. And because they were lazy and negligent, they didn't put forth the effort to use their faith to go and possess the land that already belonged to them. You know, faith is a fight. Fight the good fight of the faith. There has to be a fight to faith. That means there has to be opposition, right? Right? There's an enemy out there that doesn't want us to experience and possess what belongs to us. And so he's going to fight us tooth and nail. But it's up to us to use our faith to grab a hold of what belongs to us so that we can experience. God has already done his part. He made the provision, but it's up to us to get the possession of it. So it has to be provided for first, and then we can take possession of it. If it's not been provided for, then we can't possess it. You have no right to possess it. Faith possesses what has been provided for us. Think about that. Faith possesses what's already been provided. You go back to the very beginning and you discover that when God made man, he didn't make man first. He made every provision first. Do you know why those gold diggers can go west and dig gold? Dig for gold? Because there was gold. If there wasn't any gold, they couldn't dig for it. Right? They went to possess it because it was there. If it wasn't there, they couldn't go get it. Well, guess what? Everything we have in Christ has been provided for us, purchased for us by his blood. It all belongs to us. If it wasn't ours, then we couldn't possess it. But it's ours and we can go possess it. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to possess what belongs to us. We want to experience what belongs to us. Not just talk about it, not just learn about it, but actually experience it and actually possess it. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's what really faith does for us. The life lesson that we learn is that we could be in the land. Christ is our land, our promised land but not experience or possess the promises and the purchases that are ours if we don't exercise our faith, just like they did not. In other words, we could be lazy too. We could be negligent too. You say, what do you mean about being lazy? Being lazy means not studying the Word of God to find out what belongs to us, not digging into the Word of God and finding out our inheritance, just sitting back and just not doing anything about it, educating ourselves in the Word. Jesus said, come to me and learn of me. He said, if you continue my word, you're my disciple indeed, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. But we've got to dig into the word, stay in the word, to learn what is ours, and then grab a hold of it by faith and don't let go. Praise God. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter uh, 6, talking about being lazy and negligent. Look at what he said to them. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, notice the word diligence, to, be f- to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful or lazy but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise how is the promise inherited through faith and patience we grab a hold of it by faith and we don't let go of it until it materializes we stay in faith praise god and say that belongs to me that is mine i receive it i have it right now and i don't let go you don't let go until what it materializes because then you won't need your faith anymore because you already have it in manifestation but you grab a hold of it in spirit first And then you can walk in the light of it. So just because we're in Christ. Doesn't mean we already have experienced these things. Although they have already been provided for us. We must possess them by faith. And that takes work on our end. To labor to get into this realm of faith. And use our faith to activate what belongs to us in Christ. So it's absolutely our responsibility. To live by faith. Look at these verses of scripture. That I have laid out for you. Starting with Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Behold. His soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Look in the book of Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. How shall the just live? By faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God, salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that is in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. How from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, and verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 35 to 38, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just "...shall live by faith, but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him." Four times in Scripture, four different sources, we could say um, four different witnesses, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, we hear these words, the just shall live by faith. If he said it once, it would be important. If he says it twice, it's more important. If he says it three times, it's getting even more important. But if he says it four times, it's serious. It's serious. This law of faith, the just are to live, not by the works of the law, but the just are to live by faith. And so there is an important need for all of us to develop our life of faith in such a way so as to tap into and access all that God has provided for us in Christ. You could say it this way, that he's already done his part. He's made provision for everything that we need. It's just like he did in the very beginning when he created all this world and put every resource that we need here on this planet. Then he made us and says, now go ahead and have at it. It's all yours to enjoy. But the provision was made before you could take possession of it. In Christ, every provision has already been made. It already belongs to us. All we have to do is access it by faith. Tap into it. Dig into it. Use our faith. Faith is the force that enables us to possess our inheritance, in other words. Faith, praise God, is the force that's truly behind the true Christian experience in life. Everything is activated by faith. Everything is received by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to even please God. But notice, the scripture says in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, faith enables us to possess our salvation. That's the only way we got into the body of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works that any man should boast. But notice, what came first grace before faith grace is everything that god has provided for us grace is giving us what we don't deserve and everything that he gave us he gave us in christ but notice how do we tap into it by faith grace is available to us but we tap into it by faith so we got saved by possessing christ as our savior how do we do that Now, put this into context. But what saith it? The word is near you in your heart, in your mouth, the word of faith that we preach. That if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So notice how faith works it involves the heart of a man, it involves the mouth of a man. He believes something from his heart, he says something with his mouth, and these two are in sync. In other words, it's not somebody coming along and just saying, you should say this, you should believe that. This is someone who has looked over the scripture, someone who has studied the life of Christ, someone who has studied his inheritance. You could say that he, last, he read the last will and testament and says, this belongs to me. Remember when Jesus told the woman that was bowed over for all those 18 years, ought not this woman be loose from the Sabbath day, whom Satan hath bound for these 18 years, because she's a daughter of Abraham? In other words, this is her covenant right. This already belongs to you. And he didn't say, woman, you're going to be healed. He said, woman, you are loosed. You don't even know it, but you are loosed. So in other words, in the mind of God, the provision has already been made. In the mind of God, it's there for the taking. All we have to do is take it by faith. Just receive it by faith. If I handed, to Dan, if I handed you this Bible and said, here's this Bible. Hold on to it. And you take it. And then you stand or look at me and just say, give me the Bible. Please give me the Bible. Can I have the Bible? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? You already have it. It's in your hand. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already made provision for us. It's already there. In the mind of God, it's already ours. We have it. But he just we just don't realize it because we're in Christ and we live in the natural world. And all that he gave us is in the spiritual world. And it's got to get from the spiritual to the natural world. How through a renewed mind. What we need is education because God's people are perishing for lack of knowledge. We need to recognize what we already have, agree with God who said it's yours, and start acting like it's so. When it comes to, for example, the ministry of of the Holy Spirit, look in uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. Galatians 3 and verse 2. This only what I learned of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith. What's the answer? By the hearing of faith. But notice he said, received ye the Holy Spirit. He did not say, did God give you? the holy spirit remember when paul was at ephesus in acts chapter 19 and he said have you received the holy spirit since you believe he didn't say did god give you the holy spirit since you believe have you received the holy spirit since you believe and they said we never heard whether there be a holy ghost and so paul got them baptized on water and paul laid his hands on them they received the holy spirit so in other words it's already been given in the mind of god we already have it it's up to us to activate it by what using our faith to say i believe i have it now do you know you have glory in you do you know you have the glory, the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelling you in you and in me that we have on the inside of us? This very glorious power of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. We have authority on the inside of us as well to use the powerful name of Jesus. It's already ours. We already have it by acknowledging it, by declaring it, by decreeing it with our heart and with our mouth, by saying, I have power, I have authority. Did you ever notice that Jesus never said, take your mountain to God? He did not say take your mountain to God. I read an article by this other preacher and he said, you know, faith is taking your mountain to God. (laughs) I thought, no, it's not. Jesus did not say have faith in God by taking your mountain to him. He said, have the faith of God and speak to your mountain, command it to go, and it will obey you and nothing will be impossible to you. So in other words, he said, use the faith that you have, use the authority that you have, and start speaking to your mountain unless your mountain speaks to you. Because your mountain will speak to you. It will tell you you can't do it. I'm not going to go anywhere. It will stick up its ugly head and just say you can't overcome me. You can't move me. Praise God you're too late. You've already been removed by the power of the name of Jesus. I'm letting you know that I know it. And I'm telling you you've got to go. You can't stay in Jesus name. So depart. Praise God. Also look at uh, Romans chapter 5. It enables us to receive deliverance, healing, uh, protection, provision, Whatever we need, our faith taps into it. We access it by grace. Look at this verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So how do we access the grace in which we stand? By faith. So that means in the mind of God, the whole, really the whole world is saved in the mind of God. People just haven't received it. God does not have to send Jesus to die for somebody who's not saved. God doesn't have to do one more thing for someone to be saved. All that person has to do is call upon the name of the Lord by faith and receive salvation. In the mind of God, you and I have already been healed because in Christ we've already been healed. By His stripes we were healed. So, in other words, God doesn't have to do another thing. All we have to do is receive our healing, activate what belongs to us by faith, and start thanking him that I am healed, I am delivered, I am set free. When it comes to deliverance, the same thing is true. I've been delivered. Who have delivered us from the powers of darkness. And too often when people get involved in deliverance ministries, and trust me, I know people that have paid money to go through deliverances. Imagine that. The things of God are free. You don't have to pay money to go through a deliverance. And if you're paying money to go through a deliverance. Give it to a, good, a better cause. Because you see. You've already been delivered. And what they don't want you to know is that you are delivered. In the mind of God. You've been delivered. Ought not this woman. Whom Satan bound for these 18 years. Be loosed from this bond. Woman you are loosed. You just don't know it. Faith Taps into what God has already made provision for. He's provided for it. We possess it by faith. By faith, we tap into the grace. By faith, we possess our land. It's mine. I have it now. I'm thanking you for it, Father. I'm acting like it's so. It's manifesting on the inside. It will manifest on the outside through the renewed mind. If we hold fast our declaration of faith, knowing, praise God, that the provision has already been made. So it's up to us to do our part. Also, faith empowers us to resist the devil and quench his fiery darts. Look in First Peter chapter, First Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Let me ask you a question: Could you resist the devil if you didn't have faith to resist the devil? Could you resist the devil if he wasn't defeated by Jesus? The only reason why you and I can resist the devil by faith because i believe jesus defeated him he came to undo outdo and out overdo the works of the devil and did he do what he was here to do didn't he through death destroy him that had the power of that that is the devil did he not already do that so he is a defeated foe and so when you hear people i don't know in your circle of influence where you who you are involved with when you hear people saying like the devil's been after me all week long and the devil's been doing this and the devil's been doing that they don't know that he's been defeated he's been defeated With faith, we resist what he's trying to do. So we put up a barrier. We say, no, no, off limits to you. No trespassing. You cannot do this to me. Why? Because I've already been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have no jurisdiction over my life. I've been delivered from you. I resist what you're trying to do. Put up a wall of resistance in the name of Jesus. And then also look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith... Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. All the fiery darts of the devil or of the wicked. So how do we quench the fiery darts of the wicked? Those darts that are coming against us and really they're coming against our thought life and coming against our mind. How are we going to quench those fiery darts? By faith. I cast down every imagination And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. So when the devil paints you a picture of defeat and says there's no possible way that you're going to overcome this, you're too late. Sorry, you're too late. I've already overcome in Jesus. He's the one that overcame you. You've been defeated and praise God, as far as I'm concerned, I'm victorious. He made me more than a conqueror. And if I overcome the world by my faith that means my faith is in what he did not what I can do my faith is in his provision not in anything that I have done it's not based on my performance it's based on his provision he's already done it, it's already mine you're too late, it cannot be the way you want it to be it's the way that Jesus has made it to be so as far as I'm concerned I'm cooperating with God by using my faith every single day you and I exercise faith unconsciously whether we realize it or not and you know what the goal is for all of us? To achieve unconscious faith in God. What do I mean by unconscious faith? I mean that we react to certain situations in faith without even recognizing any effort on our part to do it. And let me explain it to you. When you drove your car, anybody drive a car here? When you got in your car, did you sit there in your car and just say, Lord, I'm believing that I'll have faith to use the brake. Did anybody do that? Were you concerned about you not, might not be able to use your foot to use the brake? Did you trust in the brake when you were driving, maybe going down a hill, and there's a car in front of you, and there's a red light? Did you have to stop and think, do I have enough faith to push the brake? Or did you do it unconsciously, just by habit? Why, why is that? Did you know that that's faith? Because that big car going down there, probably gathering up speed, If you don't stop it, you're in trouble. If they're stopped in front of you. Am I right? Absolutely. Well, you did not have to think about it. You just unconsciously stopped your car by using your brake because you knew it would work. And there's an emergency brake just in case. Also, when it comes to anybody ever ride an elevator? Have you? Before you stepped in, did you say, I pray that I have faith to believe in the power of cables? <laughs> Anybody ever do that? And you're stepping like, wait a minute, let me just, let me, let me just meditate this for a while. I got to think this through. No, you unconsciously just walked right onto the elevator thinking that it's going to take you where you need to go. And you weren't thinking that it might fall down and the cable would break. You unconsciously just went ahead and did something like that. Uh, when it comes to uh, anybody flying an airplane, sure. Unconsciously, you step in by faith, knowing that you believe in the law of thrust and lift, which is a greater law than the law of gravity. And because you apply the law of thrust and lift, that plane is going to stay up there. So you believed in the ability of the pilot. You believed in the law of thrust and lift. And unconsciously, you just get in the plane because you know it's supposed to do what it's supposed to do. And you can see the list goes on and on. All these different things that we do. Unconsciously by faith. So many more things. I have some. Whether you're going to a doctor. Believing in his skills. What about a red light? You believe that uh, when there's a red light. The people should stop. Do you unconsciously uh, believe that? Or do you ease up to the green light. And just say. I better not go just yet. Because maybe no one's stopping over here. And you. Do I have enough faith to go through the green light? Well. I had a. Quite an experience the other day with my mother driving over to see my father at the uh, nursing home, and my light was green. It was green for at least five, maybe even ten seconds, and I'm just driving on my line and my side of the road and go through the green light. This car over here has already stopped, but there's two. There's four-lane highway, so there's two cars there. This car already turned right in the first lane, and I just going through my green light when all of a sudden the girl in the second lane over was texting. And she was barreling down, and I caught out of the peripheral vision of my accident. since it was on the other side of that car. And I mean, I trusted in my brake. And to be honest with you, how she didn't hit me from the side is, is beyond anything. I knew daily we pray and thank God for divine protection of holy angels surrounding us in our pathways life, and there is no death. But she screeched, I screeched, and I mean she screeched and stopped her car that far away from mine. Probably an inch. And I thank you, Lord. But you see, the person wasn't paying attention and and that sort of thing. Uh, And that might make you a little bit more cautious next time, but you might look. But, But the point is, did you cross a bridge coming here? You heard about that bridge that collapsed in Minnesota. Did you stop on this side of the bridge and then count to 10? And do I have enough faith to cross this bridge? I think I do now. Okay, let's go. Did you do that? No, you just unconsciously believed that everything was in place. The pillars are in place. The steel's all in place. And you could get across the bridge. Right? That's unconscious. We do all kinds of things unconsciously every single day. And as a result, of course, we don't realize we're exercising faith. Now, here's, this is probably a little bit more personal. Um, If you're in a marital relationship and you both have committed your vows one to another, I would think that the beginning of that relationship there's absolute trust, faith, fidelity, integrity and that sort of thing, right? And the person the people probably don't even think about whether or not another person would be unfaithful. And so unconsciously every single day, not even a thought in your mind, but if your spouse was unfaithful one time, what would happen? Would you have faith? Or would the water in the bathtub of, of trust and integrity be completely emptied? And for you to trust that person again is going to take a lot of hard work by spooning water back into the tub one spoonful at a time. Why? Because trust was violated. And so you don't know if you can have faith in that person again. But before that, it was an unconscious kind of faith. You never thought they would ever do something like that. So you see, every single day we live in this realm of unconscious faith using our faith in the natural world to navigate through life. But, you know, when it comes to the spiritual aspects of faith, it's a different story. Look at the book of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. This verse teaches us what faith is truly all about. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Lean not to your own what? Unconscious faith has got to be developed in the life of the believer. You know why? Because it goes beyond our five physical senses and human reasoning and what they dictate to us and tell us. It goes beyond this realm of life in which we live and we tap into the spiritual realm by faith. Faith is like the sixth sense. It doesn't need the cooperation of the five physical senses to tell us that God is doing something. In other words, it's detached from our five physical senses. Our five physical senses are meaningless to, to faith. We develop the sixth sense in a certain way by looking to the word of God. We'll get to that in just a moment, but... Those five physical senses are wonderful because they help us navigate through life, and we need them, but they also become, let's say, an enemy to us when it comes to walking in faith toward God, because the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, feeling, emotion, hearing, smelling, seeing. Those those five physical senses will contradict what the Word of God says. That's why he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust the Lord from your heart. So we're developing what is called a heart faith. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. And I've got to develop my faith in God. I've got to study God's word to the place to where I, on the inside of me, experience this unconscious level of faith that when I'm uh, challenged, I just bring it up and bring it out. Look in some examples. Look at Numbers chapter 13. And this is Caleb. In verse 30 says, When they spied out the land and brought back a report. You know the story. Caleb still the people before Moses and said. Let's go up at once and possess it for we're well able to overcome it. Everybody else said we can't. But he just blurts this right out. You know why? Because he's crossing the bridge without stopping to think. Can I really make it? Will God really do it? It was a, a level of faith that he had developed. Why? Because he knew his God. And he knew he could cross that bridge. He knew that. Underneath that bridge would be his everlasting arms. He knew that God would defend them and fight for them. Look at Joshua in Numbers 14. Look at what he said. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Notice, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless Pray to us. Huh. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Notice how these two leaders just blurted out. Unconsciously, God will defend us, God will fight for us, and God will get us in. It's just like a matter of fact. Let's cross the bridge, let's just go. Their defense is departed from them, and we're just going to go in. They developed that kind of faith because they studied God's Word, because they knew God's Word, because they knew the character of God, and as a result, they just accepted the fact that God's on their side and we win. Look at Daniel chapter 3. You know the story well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're told, if you don't bow to my image, then you will burn in a fiery furnace. And what do they say? Well, look, it, we're not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. If it be so that you throw us into the burning fire furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Notice that. From the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Notice he can and he will. Blurts it right out. But if not, you don't throw us in, be it known unto you, O king, that we still, we won't serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. How did they get that kind of unconscious faith in God? And guess what? They were thrown in. And guess what? What did God do? Brought them out. Jesus went right on in with them. But you see, this was an unconscious act of faith, like crossing the bridge without even thinking, putting on your brake without thinking, walking through the elevator sh- without it going down the shaft. Why? Because they knew this is what God would do. That's what true faith is. It's knowing the provision has already been made. All I've got to do is act out my faith, believe I have received it or God is doing it, and that's it. It's done. Look at the next one in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. This is Daniel exercising himself in faith. You know the story. They were told once again to uh, not to worship or pray to any other God. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. The decree was signed that you can't worship or you can't pray to any other God. And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He was not daunted. He was not afraid. He wasn't concerned about what decree went out by the king because he was serving the king of kings and so therefore he just went ahead and unconsciously just acted in faith and did what he knew he was to do he put god first he reverenced God, honored him and just prayed as he did so what's the big deal let him put out a decree who's bigger god is bigger of course he was thrown to a den of lions but guess what god sent an angel god will act on behalf of those who trust him and believe from their heart that he'll do what he said he would do. Because we're believing in his integrity. Praise God. The life of faith is an unconscious faith that we should all develop. I'll, I'll tell you what. There's been times I've stepped into it and stepped out of it. I'll tell on myself, but you tell on yourself too. There was a time when uh, we went for a checkup for our children. And one of my boys was brought to the doctor's office for a checkup. It's a regular checkup. He said, oh, I, I can't give this child a, a vaccine shot. Why not? Double ear infection. Didn't know that. Double ear infection, double ear infection. Okay, can't do it. After it clears up, then we can do it. Okay. And she came back into the office, went out, came back with the prescription and said, here, here's a prescription. Take it and get it filled. Oh, I said, oh, doctor, that won't be necessary. I said, I'll just pray my father will heal him. And I said, that'll be it. She looked at me, strangely. And said, don't you believe in medicine? I said, oh, I believe in medicine. I said, but I won't need it because I'll pray for him. My father will heal him and that'll be the end of it. Oh, okay. And that just came out of me unconsciously. You know, didn't mean any disrespect whatsoever. Went home. Did exa- Actually in the car driving home. I did exactly that. I said, come up here. Prayed. I said, father, heal him. In Jesus name. Thank you for it. And went home. Everybody was scheduled. This was a breakout of, I guess this was going on. And all these people kids were having double ear infections and you know like a virus or whatever was going around and said you bring it back in 10 days i said bring it back in 10 days brought it back in 10 days went to the doctor's office they were all lined up because there was such a group of them all lined up was his turn i was i was hearing them her talk to the other other kids and it was his turn she checked him over both ears looked over at me and said did you give him the medicine or did you do the other thing (laughs) i said did you mean did i pray She said, yeah. Did you pray? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, he doesn't have any infections anymore. Now, these other ones, they they were getting other things, other complications, and they had to get another medication for this or that or whatever. Don't mean any disrespect whatsoever, but I was just like, without it, just with the power of God. And again, I'm not opposed to it. You know what Andrew has gone through, for sure. But um, the point is, sometimes we just, You know what I mean? It just comes right out of your spirit. And that's faith in action. Boom, just like that. And God moves in response to that kind of faith. But, you know, we are living in this natural world that we live in. And we're always being challenged. We've got things pulling us in different directions. You know, and it's easy for us to get distracted. But you know what? I want us to know something here tonight. In the mind of God, he saved every person on the planet. It's up to them to tap into it by faith and receive it. In the mind of God, he has healed every sick person on this planet right now in Christ. He bore those stripes for everyone. They just don't know it. Like the woman with the being bowed over for 18 years didn't know it. And you know what? In the mind of God, it's already done. All we have to do is tap into it. All we have to do is release and say, I have it. I have it right now. It may not materialize instantly. It doesn't matter. I have it. I've received it. I'm calling myself well, healed, and whole by the stripes of Jesus. You come up with a point of contact and say, that's it. This is a done deal. That way you, can't, you shut the door to any thoughts, imaginations that come against your mind because you're too late. When the devil tries to say to you, we are not healed, what you do is you say, I'm going to point you to the fact that I already prayed yesterday, and you're too late because you see, I prayed yesterday. I believed I received my healing, and so you're too late. Sorry. but what, don't you feel about it? it? has nothing to do with how I feel. If it doesn't look better, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I prayed, I asked God to do it, it was done yesterday, and so it's a done deal as far as I'm concerned, because as far as He's concerned, it was done two thousand years ago. And so we've received it, we have it, we thank you, Father, for it now in Jesus' name. And guess what? It closes the door to all those thoughts and imaginations that come against us to try to talk us out of it and uproot our seed of faith. Amen. So whether it's deliverance, you know, I just can't get delivered, I can't deliver, I can't get delivered. Well, as you have spoken in my ears, so will happen to you. Stop saying I can't get delivered, I can't get delivered, I can't get delivered, I can't get delivered keep saying I believe I've been I've been delivered from the powers of darkness and I am set free I call myself whole and please don't misunderstand me when I say this you know with these organizations they do a lot of good and I thank God for that but you go to a place like AA you've got to identify yourself as being an alcoholic you've got to identify yourself as being a drug addict you know the very thing you're doing is using your words which are the most powerful things that you have that you possess death and life or in the power of the tongue I'd rather you stand up there and just say I was an alcoholic I was a drug addict, but I'm set free by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm standing here before you and letting you know that greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. I'm a world overcomer by my faith, praise God, and I'm walking in the light of my victory. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So I know they don't do it intentionally. Intentionally. But if you don't understand that, you are reinforcing the fact that you are an addict or you are an alcoholic. You're reinforcing that. I just can't give this up. I just can't give this up. Stop saying you can't. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. And as he hears you speak, those words in his ears, so will I do to you. One guy who could not give up tobacco, could never give up tobacco, went finally. He would, I like this expression, don't you? I went to the best preachers you can find. I went to the professionals. And start naming all these big name evangelists and and supposed faith healers and all that. And none of them can help me. I finally went to this other one and just said, he said, what makes you think you can help me? He says, I can tell you what can help you. I'll tell you exactly what to do if you want to get set free from that. He goes, well, how can you say that when all these others prayed for me? So you're looking for other people, two other people to bring what you need in your life when you can all tap into it by your faith. He said, you just start saying that tobacco has no power over me. You say it for two weeks straight. He goes, you want me to throw out my cigarettes, don't you? He said, no. Keep them there if you want. Light it up if you want. But you start saying today from your heart, with your mouth, that tobacco has no power over me in the name of Jesus. And you say that all day long and then see me in a while, a couple of weeks, whatever. This guy came back two weeks later and he said, I lit up a cigarette. I took a puff. You know what? I didn't like it. I kept saying I'm delivered. Tobacco has no power over me in the name of Jesus. I am set free. And before you know it, he goes, I don't even want one. I didn't throw it away. I didn't have to throw it away. I didn't want it anymore. I just threw it away because I didn't want it. And so you see, all he had to do is believe that he's already received. Start calling himself delivered. Start calling himself set free. And start speaking to the mountain, tobacco, you have no power over me. Whatever it is, you have no power over me. I'm a temple of the most high God. You have no right to exist in me whatsoever. Can you say amen? Let's just quickly close. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. I just wrote this out for your own personal study. But this is what's really going to help us all develop a higher level of faith in God. I I, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know that when I can really trust someone because I know that they love me, that makes a big difference. Do you know that? It's just like with my children. I know me and I know my children. I know what I not even will do have done for my children. I know I always go the extra mile for my children. I do everything I possibly can to bless my children. Always there for them. You know, it could be midnight. Hey, Dad, I want a box of cereal or whatever. Okay, be right back. It doesn't matter. I'll do everything and anything for my children to bless them because I love them. That's a human being. But if you want to really develop the highest level of faith in, in your Heavenly Father and what He's done for us in Christ, we develop this kind of faith, this unconscious faith, by first of all understanding the character of our Father. So look at Matthew 5:48. Only one verse that we're going to look here. The rest of them you can study for yourself. Be therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is. What is he? Perfect. Jesus came to reveal to us the very heart of God. He is a perfect father. I know what I do for my children. And if I, being evil, can give good gifts to my children, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit and good gifts to them that ask him? Right? How much more than I would. And I'll be honest with you. I would challenge him on that. Because I know what I have done. I know what I would do. And I'm sure many of you are the same way as I am. You do the same thing for your children. If your child asks for you a sandwich, you're going to give them a rock? Mm-mm. If they ask you for a piece of steak, are you going to give them a serpent? No. Or a meatball, you going to give them a scorpion? No. Why? Why not? Well, if you could do that for your children, how much more? He says, will I do for you. And this was before the cross. Well, guess what? He gave us Jesus. And he said, if I gave you him, how can I withhold anything from you? In Christ, he's already given us the sandwich, the meatball, and the piece of steak. It's already there. So look at these statements here. You can look up the verses for yourself. Look at his character. He is one who provides for his children better than you or I could. He is one who loves his children with perfect love, even more so than we can. He is one who is always available 24-7, Hebrews tells us, come boldly to the throne of grace at any time. He is one who uh, rewards the obedience of his children. He is one who keeps his every promise. Not one time has he ever, ever broken a promise. Also, he is one who gives good and perfect gifts from above. And that's the only kind of gifts that he gives. He is one, under point G, who is watchful and attentive. His eyes are upon the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayers. He is also one who forgives. We're to forgive as he has forgiven us. He is one who is gracious, compassionate, and also merciful and good to each and every one. And it's his mercy and tender mercies are of all of his works. And he also is one who doesn't withhold any good thing from them that walk up right before him. So in his mind, he has poured himself out completely. He has emptied himself completely in the person of his son. He's resting in his love for us, which means he's exhausted every ounce of his love and being for us. So we're to view it this way. In Christ, the work's been done. We've been saved. We've been healed. We've been delivered. We've been provided for. We are protected. And the list goes on and on. We have strength. We're strengthened. It's all done. What God wants us to do is to use our voice to agree with what his word says. And remember Philemon, verse 6, that says, The communication of your faith is effectual by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. To acknowledge means to confess it, to declare it, to proclaim it. I say, I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. I say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I say, He is the health of my countenance. Praise God, my peace of mind. I say, I am delivered Thank God from all the powers of darkness, I'm translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. I say in him, I'm more than a conqueror. I say in him, I'm a world overcomer. And I say, I already have the victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord, who always causes me to triumph. That kind of language, praise God, heaven hears. And I'm telling you, when you and I get into the right tense, it's already been done. We start acting like it. We're at the highest level of faith in God when you hear a preacher say i'm so unworthy to come before your throne and to, and to get another preacher <laughs> when you hear that all they may be sincere but they're not taught they're not educated you're not a worm in the dust you're not even a sinner you were a sinner you've been saved by grace you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And remember our lesson. You are a masterpiece. Hallelujah. That's who you are. A masterpiece. We need to agree with God and start saying, I am who you say I am. As a matter of fact, I suggest look in a mirror. Most people, when they look in the mirror, they don't like what they see. Start looking in that mirror and start seeing and saying that you are who God says you are. You, young man. Are his masterpiece. You got that young man in it. You are healed. By the stripes of Jesus. Not going to be. Not trying to be. I'm not trying to get what I already have. I gave him the Bible. Why is he asking me for it again? He gave you your healing. Why are you asking it for? I, he gave it to us. I'm looking in that mirror and I'm declaring, I'm decreeing that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm delivered, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a world overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Stop looking at who you are in the flesh and start looking at who you are. Praise God, who I am, who we are in the spirit. Who the Bible says we are, and start declaring it, start decreeing it, and the communication of our faith will become effectual. It'll give place to the glory of God. The glory of God's on the inside of you. I'm releasing it in Jesus' name, and everywhere you go, everywhere I go, praise God is just pouring out of us, pouring out of us. The countenance of the very glory of God, the raised Jesus from the dead, is making its way through our renewed minds. Out of our flesh like shafts of light going in the lives of those that are around us. When he said let your light so shine among men. What's he talking about? Don't hide it under a bushel. The bushel is your flesh. That's your flesh. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is on the inside of us in spirit. The flesh is the bushel. The renewed mind is the conduit. That we use to get it from the inside to the outside. And so when you start saying with your renewed mind. That I am more than a conqueror through Jesus. There's a bubbling on the inside. That light of his glory is all of a sudden beginning to shine. Let your light shine. It begins to pour out of your being like shafts of light. I remember Brother Hagin one time saying that he was ministering. Shafts of light start coming out of his hand that people could actually see. Imagine that. There's a higher level that we can achieve to and attain to. Let's stop playing down here with what's going on in this world that we're living in. And let's get our eyes up into the hills from what's come of our help and start realizing who we are and what we have in Christ and rise to a higher level of being in faith and start thanking God that we are who we are. Let's not, in other words, stop trying to get what he's already given us. Start acknowledging that we already have it and start praising him, praise God for it and acting like it's so. And as you've spoken in my ears, he said, that's what I'll do to you. Let's stand.